Now, another Astros podcast. Well, Father's Day, I saw Brian McCann in the clubhouse earlier today. I said, hey, tell me something about your dad. Was he a funny guy, too? I said, yeah, I guess he was kind of funny, kind of loud. Let me give you an example. When I was 10 years old, I was sick. One, two. That's grounded foul up the first baseline. Brian was sick. He was 10 years old, and he had a game that day. And this is what his dad told him. How are you going to play 162 if you're sick? How are you going to play 162 games if you're sick? So already thinking about getting to the big leagues, and he said, you can't play that soft, son. The one-two. That's lined into center field, a base hit. Hard hit single for McCann. His first hit tonight, and the Astros have a two-out base runner. Their eighth hit of the ball game. That's how you play 162. You just hang out line drives. That's how you play 162. Don't come to me with a cold. <laughs> Don't come to me with sniffles. Hang out liners. Carlos Beltran is driven in three tonight. He has a two-run homer and a sack fly. Brian McCann's dad, Howie, longtime college baseball coach. First pitch, swing, and a foul ball off of Leon. Kicks to the right, strike one. Actually played a year in the twin system. Yeah. Howie McCann did. Sounds like a really smart baseball guy. He was a baseball coach at Marshall out in West Virginia in the 1990s. Longtime assistant at a University of Georgia. He runs a baseball academy around the Atlanta area now. Oh, one low. Yeah, McCann talks about working in the offseason with his dad and also with his his older brother, Brad, who is a first baseman, played five seasons in the Marlins and Royals systems. So a baseball family, the McCanns are, if there ever was one. That's how you play 162. 1-2. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Struck him out on a breaking ball. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros even the series at a game apiece. Defeating the Boston Red Sox by a final of 7-1. Now a whole lot of guys chipped in including Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran and the rest of that offense who, who played a great game. Rick Porcello taking another tough loss but David Paulino Man, what a great job he did, along with Brian McCann, the veteran, to massage him through this tough lineup. What a great way to win this game and get a chance to win this series on Father's Day. First Major League win for David Paulino. Welcome back. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, joined by Astros General Manager Jeff Luno before the Astros take on the Red Sox to wrap up this homestand. Winning yesterday over Boston, and Jeff, big reason for the win was the man on the mound. Uh, David Paulino, his most impressive start at the big league level, facing a pretty tough Red Sox lineup, held them to just one run over six innings. It's great to see. When you lose your four out of your five starters, you rely on the depth from within your organization, and we've had two good outings in a row from Francis Martis and David Paulino. These are top industry prospects. We knew they would eventually figure out how to pitch here, but we thrust them right into the heat, and quite frankly, for me, what's making them successful, they're not putting a ton of guys on base. They're letting their defense work behind them. They're letting the, get the batters put it in play. And that's a good formula with this team especially. And how much credit do you give to Brian McCann being able to ma massage those guys through those outings? And, and not to mention how hot he's gotten at the plate, but what he's been able to do with those guys. It's huge. You look at Mike Fires' turnaround. You look at what David Paulino's doing and Martez, the fact that uh, he's been able to really give those guys confidence. And when you're throwing to a catcher who knows your stuff and is – is helping you through the game. It makes all the difference in the world. You know, I, we just got to figure out a way not to burn Brian McCann out because yeah. he's really, really valuable for us both ways right now. And I'd say, you know, you got to think about him as one of our better players this first half. 
Meanwhile, getting some good news about the four pitchers who are on the disabled list, the four starting pitchers. Sounds like Lance McCullers, the closest to coming back. Dallas Keuchel seems like he's not too far behind him. And also Charlie Morton and Colin McHugh getting closer to facing some live hitters. It's exciting that we're getting these guys back. We need them all back. We're not going to push them so that we risk them getting re-injured. But I do believe that Lance McCullers will probably start for us on this road trip and Keuchel possibly uh, not too long after that. And Charlie's going to get on the mound hopefully here soon. Uh, maybe even later this uh, this next week. So we're excited. You know, we've got to keep hitting these milestones and make sure that they're okay. But it will be sure it'll be a, uh, a breathe a sigh of relief to get all these guys back. Jeff, is there going to be a tough decision to be made when Josh Reddick comes off uh, the concussion DL? Uh, talking about Derek Fisher, who, who looks like he belongs. He, he's played so well in AAA this year. Is that a tough decision to send him back? It is going to be a tough decision because he does belong here at this point. But we've got we've got a good team that's been performing well and. You know, Aoki just hit a big milestone. Marisnik's been great. So it's hard to figure out how to create a spot for him. We could go down to 12 pitchers, but that creates some stress on the bullpen. So we'll have to see. I have a feeling Fisher may be up and down a little bit this summer. But one thing he's proved to us, I think, in performance in AAA as well as what he's, how he's handled this experience so far is that he's ready to be here. And I think he's going to be a guy that we're going to think about as our everyday left fielder next year. You know, you look at what's happened over the last week. Finally, the draft is over. Uh, as all 40 rounds are done. Now starting to get guys signed and, and sent out to, to affiliates. Uh, how's that whole process going at this point? It's progressing well. We've had a lot of conversations with our top 10-round picks, and a lot of them are probably going to come in for physicals next week or do physicals at the location. And after that, we'll be in a position to announce some signings. So I think by mid to late next week, some guys will be short showing up at their affiliates, and we'll be getting them out going. But we feel really good about the draft. We had some extra picks. We got a player with our first pick we weren't expecting to be there. So all in all, I think it was a really solid effort. That's what I was going to ask you, Jeff. J.B. Bukowskis uh, looked to, to be maybe a top five guy, and uh, he ended up falling in your lap at number 15. Can you tell us uh, what, you, what you guys saw and how excited you are about the first rounder out of the University of North Carolina? He's a guy that could move fairly quickly. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's really strong. He's got a good fastball anywhere from 93 to 97, 98. And he's got one of the best sliders in the draft, and that combination is pretty powerful. He's got a repertoire to start, so uh, we're going to hopefully get him signed and get him out going quickly, and this is a guy you could see in the big leagues in a couple years. Is this the type of guy that you could imagine maybe helping this team later on in the season out of the pen? I think we want to temper our enthusiasm in that respect. I, he could do it, but I'm not sure that's really what's best for his development. We okay. want him to be a starter here long term, so, so we'll see. I mean, depending upon how things are going and how, when he gets out and how he starts throwing, it's certainly something we'll probably take a look at. 42 players selected by the Astros in the draft this year, 35 of them college players. Was that an accident, or is that more of a general philosophy? Because obviously with college players, you have a little bit more of a track record to go by in terms of uh, future performance. You do, and, and we're pretty good at reading that track record and being successful with it. We did get our, our second pick was a high school kid, and our fifth rounder was another high school kid. So I think we got some really good young players. But yeah, you got to kind of go where the draft takes you, and we felt this, this was the best way to go for this draft. And you guys dipped uh, back into Cuba, and you signed another promising prospect, a six foot four pitcher, just 20 years old, Alion Rodriguez. Am I saying that right? You are, yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about him. We we watched the YouTube in here the other day. We were we were pretty impressed. The stuff is electric. We're excited to have him. This was the last couple days of the last year's signing period, and so we had gone over our allotment, and it was our last chance to really bring in an elite arm. And we feel like he's he's got he's got it. He's got everything to move quickly. He's had success in the various leagues in Cuba, and he's got all the stuff to be successful here. 
Astros General Manager Jeff Luno. Thanks for joining us. Happy Father's Day. Oh, by thank the way. you. Happy Father's Day to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. We're in the bottom of the third inning at Minute Maid Park. The Astros with a three to nothing lead. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford, our producer engineer, Matt Boltz, and Robert. We see all this light blue, uh, the, the powder blue accents on all the uniforms with the awareness of prostate cancer reminds me of Love You Blue, the old Houston Oilers days, and we're pleased to be joined by one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, Warren Moon. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. You see, I wore my blue today as That's well. That's right. So uh, I, I'm color coordinated with the rest of the team out here. Can't play like they still they, like they play today, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching with a lot of amazement because these, these athletes today are unbelievable. They are. I mean, d does it feel like that to you, really? I mean, because I, I know you work on radio with the Seahawks now. You live out in Seattle, and you, you have a lot of family still here in the Houston area. But does it seem like all the athletes are getting bigger and stronger, like we think? Well, look at Correa. I mean, he's, he's a six foot four <laughs> shortstop. You just, you just didn't see that back in the day. Yeah. Or, or you look at that guy Judge and, and with New York. He's oh six yeah. Six foot seven or. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the guy in, in Miami? Six foot five. Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, just. Big guys. Altuve. Altuve only sends one deep to left field. He's not big, but he's got power. Home run for Altuve to left center field. His tenth of the season makes it four to nothing. Of course, Warren Moon talks about all the big guys in the game, and the five foot six guy hits a home run under the train tracks. <laughs> and, and that just shows that baseball is still baseball because it doesn't matter what size you are. And Altuve is a, a perfect example of that. This guy's. Going to have another MVP type season. He's a stick of dynamite. Yeah. What he is. Sounds like you you pay quite a bit quite a bit of attention to, to baseball. I really do. I, I pay attention to all the sports. You know, I'm a, I'm just a sports junkie. I've been that way since I was a kid. I yeah. was that way when I was playing, and I'm still that way now that I can't play the game anymore. I love watching it and watching everything about it. I just love competition and watching these guys play. Mm. Like I said, it really amazes me because of how good these guys have gotten uh, just because of all the different training techniques that they have now and the way they developed. Uh, they're just a lot better players today. First pitch to Correa lands in there for strike one. Warren, 17 years in the NFL, Hall of Fame. And before that, before that even got started, five years over in Canada. Yeah, six, believe it or not. Was and, it uh, six? But five so, titles, right? Yeah, so 23 years of professional football in my body. I'm still able to walk around the stadium. Do you walk, have any aches and pains and now? No, I really don't. Really? I was really, really blessed out of coming out Man. of the game, and uh, I'm glad about that. I had six concussions as well, and that's something that concerns me more than anything else. Mm. Porcello in the, the slow windup. The 0-2 pitch to Correa is lined into right center field for a base hit. Correa tears around first. He'll retreat on a good throw in from Jackie Bradley Jr. A bad 0-2 pitch from Porcello there, and Correa took care of it. So Warren, you know, 10, 10 years with the, the Houston Oilers, of course, playing over at the Astrodome. And, uh, what are some of your fondest memories of, of being with those Oilers teams? I mean, people people forget about how good some of those offenses in particular were. We really were. And, and, and uh, I, I remember a lot, you know, watching the Astros, believe it or not. Really? They had the killer bees with yeah. Jeff Bagwell and Biggio and, and Berkman. I mean, those guys put up a lot of runs. And I used to love watching them play in the Astrodome. And uh, we had some really exciting teams running the run and shoot. We were throwing the ball Heck all over yeah. the place, scoring a lot of points. So. This was an action-packed city during that time, and the Rockets were doing very well also uh, winning NBA championships. So there was a lot of good sports going on 
in Houston at that time. What was that like in 1986 when they brought that run-and-shoot offense into the program? I mean, was that just tailor-made for you? I was a little skeptical about really? it because, you know, you're throwing the ball a lot. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of short corners because you don't have a tight end, so uh, th those defensive ends can get to you a little bit faster, yeah. and, and you take a lot of p uh, punishment in that type of offense. But if you're getting rid of the football quickly, uh, you have a chance to be successful, and that's what helped me a lot, being able to get rid of the ball. When you watch the NFL today, do you see – uh, a lot of what you guys did back in the 80s with the run and shoot. Now, it seems like everybody does something similar to that. Well, they thought our offense was uh, some kind of, you know, pop gun offense. As Brian McCann pops one up in the infield, as Josh Rutledge, third baseman, comes pretty much right in between the pitcher's mound and the catcher's position to catch that one. There's one out. Yeah, it was so new what, what we were doing, and, and everybody didn't really understand it. But now you look at what's going on in the league. Everybody's doing a, some type of spread type of offense. Right. And, the, and the route combinations are the same, same types of throws. We probably had more adjustable routes in our offense than they do today. But uh, you're looking at what we did back in 1990, what they're doing today. And, and, and I think we're part of that, that, uh, that evolution. Heck, yeah. I mean, you guys started that legacy. And what is it? I mean, when, when you get a corner lined up on your wide receiver, there's the first pitch breaking ball to Beltron. And there's one out, one runner on first base with the Astros leading four to nothing. So in your mind, you have to know if, if the corner's inside of the receiver, outside, back off of, and he's got three or four different routes to play off of that? Exactly. He's got Gosh. three different options, and we have to see the same thing because what he sees, I have to see, and vice versa. And if we see the same thing, it's almost hard unstoppable un, uh, un, uh, because uh, the defensive back can't be right. Now, when we're not on the same page and all of a sudden he goes in and I throw out, that's when bad things happen. Yeah. So yeah. you want to make sure you eliminate those things. One-on-one one count to Beltron. As Porcello in the stretch position, working hard. This will be his 57th pitch already. And this one's grounded weekly foul. So, Warren, you were telling line. us before we went on the air, you're up in uh, Los Angeles, right? I'm actually in Seattle, yeah, but I have a business in Southern California as well, so I kind of commute between the two. But I spend the majority of my time in Seattle. I do the broadcast for the Seattle Seahawks, and I've been doing that now for the last 14 years. You said you catch the Mariners from time to time. Baseball was too slow for you as a kid, though, huh? You know, it wasn't as challenging as the quarterback position was, but it was probably my best sport. I was really good at it, and I enjoyed playing it, but – uh, when you come out of the inner city, sometimes it's, it's expensive to play baseball. Yeah, and, I think, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that, that uh, stops a lot of kids in the inner city now in a problem that Major League Baseball has with African-Americans playing the game. That's what they're trying to address. It, it takes a lot of money to play baseball. Yeah, that's a great what, point. What position did you play in baseball? I played shortstop, and I played uh, left field, and uh, sometimes I pitched. But I didn't. I never wanted to pitch a lot because I didn't want to ruin my arm. Uh, you, have to, you need your arm for the run-and-shoot <laughs> offense need later. that arm to throw that football. 2-2 pitches, grounded foul again as Beltron stays alive. And, I mean, I think it's really amazing the route your career took. You mentioned the, the years in Edmonton and the, in the CFL and after not getting drafted. When you went to the CFL, was your goal, okay, I want to get back to the NFL, or were you just thinking, you know what, I just want to prove I can play professionally at quarterback? Yeah, I was a little bitter when I first went up there because you feel like you, you put yourself in a position to at least get an opportunity to play mm -hmm. in the NFL because that right. was a dream of mine growing up, and all of a sudden your own country's not going to give you that chance to play where there's another country that's going to give you that opportunity. So I was happy for the opportunity, but kind of bitter because I wasn't getting it where I wanted to get it. 2-2 two -two pitch is hammered to right field, and that is gone! Two-run shot, Carlos Beltran, and it's a 6-0 lead for the Astros.
Warren Moon, you're, you're good luck in this booth. <laughs> I might be going home early tonight if they keep hitting the ball like you gotta this. you got to come in the booth with us when we stop in Seattle next week. <laughs> they don't want me to do this interview because all these home runs keep getting hit while I'm sitting here. So 6 nothing Astros, they just need the extra point, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the extra point's coming to bat right now. Ninth homer of the season for Beltron. And he got a fastball middle in, and he whipped it out there. And that is 16 home runs given up this season for Porcello, the Cy Young Award winner last year. Well, he's having a lot of trouble placing the ball right now. His he control is. is all over the place. Like you said, he had over 50 pitches already. Yep. And uh, when you start having that control problem, now all of a sudden you're going, you're not, move, your ball's not moving, and he's throwing it right down the middle of the plate. You know what, Warren? That's a great point because a lot of times guys in the dugout can sense the the body language of a pitcher, and they can start to smell blood. Mm -hmm. And I it, think the Astros have smelled it. The 1-0 is a, a chopper over to the third baseman, Rutledge, as Gurriel's thrown out, and there's two outs in the inning. What was it like in football? Could you sense when the other team was getting tired or they felt like they were defeated? The same thing you said, body language. Body language tells you everything about whether a team is confident or not or they have energy or, or whether they're, they're, they're not having confidence. And, yeah, you can tell that in the defensive backs. You can tell it in the pass rush. Uh, if a defense just can't figure you out, if you have them off balance and, and they don't know exactly what you're doing, where they're playing defense as opposed to being offensive on the defensive side and being attacking, uh, you can take that away from a team just by really confusing them with what you do. Here's Derek Fisher. He takes one low. The Astros with a 6 to nothing lead in the bottom of the third is the Red Sox. Bullpen now gets up as Austin Maddox will be the first guy up. He's a right-hander. And he's never pitched in the big leagues. And the pitch to Fisher is lined at the first baseman, Moreland, for the third out of the inning. But the Astros with three more runs, including a couple of homers, Altuve his 10th and Beltron his 9th. And we'll go to the fourth inning. And it's a six to nothing lead for the Astros. Warren Moon, so thankful that you got a chance to come in here. Yeah. One of our favorites. Thanks so much. Well, the Astros are off to a great start this year, and hopefully they can keep this up. You never know. They might be in the World Series when it's all said and done, and I'll be as happy as anybody because Houston's still in my heart. This has been a production. And whoever in this crowd wasn't standing before, well, they're getting to their feet now. Of the Houston Astros. This place is rocking right now. Radio Network.